Hey, everybody. Welcome to the World Harvest Church Podcast. We pray that this message blesses you, inspires you, and more than anything, helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus. For more information and resources, please visit us at worldharvestusa.com. So uh, I gave my life to Jesus in a small country church in, um, in Kansas. Anybody ever been to Kansas? You're not missing much. Um, but I was, I was there. It was a puppet show. I was six years old. And it was the most dynamite puppet show you could ever imagine. It was awesome. All right? I'm telling you. It was awesome. Um, and at the, end of the, uh, at the end of the puppet show, they said, they explained the gospel, and they said, does anybody want to give their life to Jesus? Uh, raise your hand. And as a kid, my heart was just burning inside of me, you know, because they just did this awesome puppet show, and then they shared the word, and they, you know, preached the gospel. And I was like, man, yeah, I, that's what I want. That's what I want. So I raised my hand, and some others in the room did. And they said, okay, if you just raise your hand, come forward. And I, we all kind of, we were sitting Indian style, you know, and got up, and we all walked forward. And I, it's amazing what God can do in your life, isn't it? I mean, I was just six years old. I didn't, I didn't know, like, the theology of the gospel. I didn't know. Nobody had to explain, like, the nuts and bolts of things to me. All I knew was through, through these puppets, I felt the love of God. And I was, I was just so blessed. And I, I just felt like I've got to say yes to this. So, so I did. And what's fascinating, my mom's amazing. She hooked me up with a Bible immediately after. And uh, the Bible was a hardcover it was white, I remember that. It was white, and it was a hardcover comic strip Bible. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I was proud of that thing, man. I remember going to school. <laughs> I remember going to school with my Bible. Like, I had my backpack. You know how you put everything in your backpack, all your books and all your stuff that you take to school? And, um, but I, I held my Bible because I wanted everybody to see that I had my cool white comic strip Bible, and I didn't want anybody to miss it. So I walked in, and nobody had to teach me to do that. That's what's, that, I think that's pretty special, you know? Nobody had to teach me, now this is the word of God. It's very important. You should, no, I was just like, dude, this is the coolest thing I've ever had before. This is way cooler than my Legos. This is cooler than the stuffed animals, all that stuff. And so anyway, I remember getting to school, and um, do you guys remember sitting down at your desk, and in your desk you had like your pens and your erasers and your glue stick, anybody? Yeah, all that stuff. And then, did anybody, who here was like super organized with all that stuff? Like you had it all laid out. Come on, raise your hand like you're not ashamed. Yeah, even though you guys are the, the craziest ones. Uh, just kidding, that was me too. I'm a part of that. Um, so anyway, I remember getting it all, getting it all uh, situated. And I took my Bible and I was like, I should probably put it in my backpack. Uh, I don't want to put it in my backpack. Maybe I could put it in my desk next to the glue or something, you know, just for the scissors. I don't know. Sharper than any two-edged scissors. I can just... And then, and then I decided, you know what, I'm going to put it on my desk. So I just flopped that sucker right on top of my desk, and right on the corner, and I just wanted everybody to see my Bible. Is that nerdy or what? I, but nobody had to teach me the importance of the word. As just a kid, I just, there was something about it. And I remember even going to bed at night, and I would lay on my, I would lay on my uh, pillow, and I would take my Bible, and I would hold it like this. Don't make fun of me, okay? I was six years old. But whatever. So I was laying in bed, and I would hold my Bible as I'm falling asleep. And I remember one time I would, like, put it under my pillow. I don't know why I did that. 
That's what you do when you lose teeth. Like, I didn't know if my mom was going to like take it out and put some money in there. That never happened. I don't know what happened. But, but anyway, how many know the Word of God is incredibly important? And how many know it's powerful? It's really powerful. If you have your Bible, would you please grab it? <clears throat> and look at somebody and look at their Bible. Just look at your Bible. Go ahead. Look at somebody else's Bible. If theirs is cooler than yours, just take it. It's the one thing you can steal. <laughs> now hold up your Bible, would you? Hold up. Say, this is my Bible. This is the most powerful book I own. There's nothing like it. And I'm not ashamed of it. I'm proud of it. And I want everybody to know about it. In Jesus' name. All right, turn with me to, let's go to, you pick it. Where should we go? Ooh, Luke? <laughs> Here, let's go to Hebrews. Let's go to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter four. You guys cool if I just like, we just go through the word together tonight? I'm just gonna, I've, I've, I've had some stuff just in my heart, you know, and so I'm going to, I don't have it like necessarily super organized, you know, I don't, I don't know how we're going to go tonight, but we're just going to go through the Word, and we're going to let the Word do the work. How's that sound? I remember Pastor Bob saying a long time ago, he's like, if you work the Word, it'll work. He said, if you work the Word, it'll work. And I also remember, um, we were just talking about this uh, the other night, but uh, I remember going into our pastor's offices with questions, you know, because I came here, and everybody was like, really nice, but some things were kind of freaking me out, you know? Have you ever been freaked out, anybody? Yeah, okay, so I was freaked out. But, I, but again, it was kind of like the puppets. Like, I felt the love of God through the things, you know? And when I came, I was like, man, I know God's here, and I feel the love of God, but I got questions. So anyway, I'd come into their offices, and I'd sit down, and I'd say, I've got a question about this verse. And so I'd sit down, and I'd say, okay, can, we, can you explain this verse to me? And they'd say, okay, yeah, yeah, we can. But tell you what, let's go back. You're in, uh, like, by the way, we're going to go to Hebrews 4, okay? Let's say, and we're going to do Hebrews 4.12. So let's say I went in there and I'm like, man, I don't understand Hebrews 4.12. And they'd say all the time, um, okay, yeah, let's talk about Hebrews 4.12, but let's go back to verse 1. Let's go back to verse 1. Because you can't just, and this is what they explain, you can't just take a verse out of the chapter and then without context and come to a conclusion. It doesn't work like that. You have to understand what's going on. And then I thought, okay, well, that's cool. That's, that's reasonable. I mean, it's more verses, but whatever. We can try that, you know. And then they're like, and by the way, it's not just the chapter, it's actually the whole book really matters. Like the whole, the whole book of Hebrews, you know? Because you have to understand who, who was writing it and who, who are they writing it to. This is important. It's called context, Jake. So you have to learn that you have to read the whole, the whole book of Hebrews too. So let's talk about Hebrews. Who is it written to? I'm like, the Greeks? I don't know. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Um, and then they're like, and by the way, <laughs> You can't just read Hebrews. You got to read the whole Bible, actually, uh, because you have to understand that all of these all of these letters in here, or, or many books, are a part of one big book, and you have to understand the full context of the scriptures. That'll help you understand these one verses a whole lot better. Because if you get the whole Bible in you, then you get to know the the heart of God, and when you know the heart of God, you can see rightly as you read through these verses. So, how many know we can't cherry pick verses and build a theology off of them? We have to take the whole thing into account. 
And sometimes that makes preaching kind of difficult, you know, because you're like, I want to make this one point, but I realize, like, maybe not everybody's read the entire Bible, you know? And that makes it a little bit more complicated because you can't exactly summarize the whole Bible in 30 minutes. It can be kind of tough. Can I tell you one more story? You're like, can we get to Hebrews already, Mike? Jeez Louise. I know, I'm, I'm trying. Um, I was down at the, uh, aren't you, by the way, aren't you just thankful for that? I, I'm, that, like, that set me up right away in my ministry path, learning that how, just how important it is to understand that the whole Bible is important. Anyway, um, I went to, uh, you guys know Reinhard Bonnke? Okay, so he started this thing called the School of Evangelism, and um, I was able to be a part of the last one uh, right after he passed away, and it was me and 120 students that were accepted into this thing. So I go down, I'm super excited. I'm like, <laughs> I'm way out of my league, you know? I'm sitting there with people from Australia and China and all these cool places, and I'm like the one loser from America, you know? <laughs> like, I'm from America. And um, it, was, it was a really powerful time, but uh, Daniel Kalenda ended up taking the ministry over for Reinhard Bonnke. Do you guys know him at all? Okay, so he took over, and he got up, and he was sharing, and all of us being there, we admittedly felt a call to ministry because we're there, like, as evangelists to be trained up in evangelism. Are you with me? Um, and so we're sitting there, and he gets up, and we're expecting a nice and encouraging message, you know, something to make you feel really good and all that, and a lot of them did make you feel good, but this one in particular, he gets up there, and he's like, okay, you guys are all evangelists. You're all called to ministry, right? And we're like, yeah, we're all there. He said, cool. Um, if you have not read your entire Bible, shame on you, and he was quoting he was quoting this guy. He said, I'll just tell you, don't, don't give up on me here, okay? All right. So he said that he was at a conference with a man named Benny Hinn. Have you ever heard of Benny Hinn? Okay, well, regardless of your opinion of him, this is what happened. So Benny Hinn's, uh, he's preaching at this conference, and they started to recognize many Christians kept coming to the same conference year after year after year after year. And he said, you know, I'm, gonna do, I'm just going to do a poll. This is Benny Hinn. I'm just going to do a poll. And he said, if you're here and you have never read your Bible cover to cover, would you just stand up? And a ton of people stood up. And he was so surprised by that. And Daniel Kalenda was there. And he told us, the students in the school, he said, now I'm not going to ask you to do that because <laughs> I don't want to embarrass you. And I don't want to make liars out of many of you. And all of us are like looking at each other like, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> Because up until that point, I hadn't ever read it cover to cover, just to be honest with you. And so he said, you admittedly feel a call to preach the gospel. You are going to be a minister of the word, and you're going to preach the word. But you have never read this from cover to cover? Shame on you. Say, wow. Yeah, that's what I said. Actually, I said, uh-oh. And then I said, wow. And he said, uh, he said, if you've never preached or if you've never read the Bible cover to cover, shame on you. And he said, you need to do that. You need to do that. It's very, very important. Anyway, all of a sudden, it was funny, because it was like, sometimes you can hear something. How many of you have ever heard a message, and it just like shot you in the heart? Not in a bad way, but you're like, whoa, I feel super convicted right now. Anybody? Raise your hand. Yeah, cool. So when that happened, it was like, he was kind of aggressive with it, but it wasn't out of a, a judgmental spirit. It was with complete love and compassion, trying to raise up evangelists to be men and women of the word. Are you with me? And I'm telling you, I left that night and I went home and I think we FaceTimed my wife and I and I was explaining everything to her and I'm like, man, 
I just, I'm, I'm so hungry for the word. It was crazy. Like literally that night, I'm like, well, I know where I'm starting, <laughs> you know? And I started reading and I plowed through it and I plowed through it and I plowed through it. It was just amazing how all of a sudden the hunger was just stirred on the inside of me for the word of God. And how many know we need that? And tonight, I know I'm talking a lot, sorry. I guess that's what you do when you preach. But uh, tonight you're gonna be, you're gonna experience the same thing that I experienced. You're gonna experience the same thing I experienced. Watch yourself, I promise. You're gonna go home tonight and you're gonna be like, you know what, instead of picking up the controller, instead of doodling on your phone, you're gonna have this desire to read your Bible. You watch, you watch. And depending on what you do with that, that will grow. That can grow even more. Does that sound good to you? See, if we want to be men and women of God, we need to be men and women of the Word. It's not, just a, it's not just a book. It's not just history, although it is history. Are you with me? Okay, are you in Hebrews? We should probably get into the Word. We're talking about it a lot. Hebrews chapter 4. What verse? Who remembers? My goodness. Y'all are on top of it. By the way, thanks for being here tonight. You could have been camping or fishing or whatever Wisconsin people do, eating brats. Pastor Bob says a lot. I don't know what y'all, with some lefsa, put a brat in the lefsa. Is that a thing? Am I even saying les, lefsa? Is it lefsa or is it lesfa? Lefsa. Lefsa. Okay, got it. All right. Hebrews 4, verse 12, lefsa. For the word of God is living. Is there any other book like that? No, no, no. There's no way. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. How many know when you read the Bible, the Bible actually reads you? Isn't that awesome? Some, I know for me, I used to say, you know, I've got a hard time with the Bible. Anybody ever been there? You just have a hard time. You know, you, you go to Leviticus and you're like, this is tough. Anybody? Can you keep it real with me? Okay. Yeah, I was there too. Now, some of that is just not picking a very good translation. <laughs> you know, maybe try getting something other than the King James. You know, they got a lot of good stuff out there. Um, but some of it is also perspective. You know, some, like at least for me, it was perspective. The, the problem isn't that the Bible was hard. The problem was that I was looking at it as a textbook rather than a living word. You know what I mean? Instead of trying to read the Bible, try to let the Bible read you. I, I thought that was pretty good. Okay, let's go to Luke 24. Luke 24. <clears throat> We're going to read a bunch of this, all right? Luke 24. I'm in the New King James, if that helps you at all, if you've got an electronic Bible. Luke 24, starting in verse 1. By the way, my dad is watching online right now, and it's Father's Day tomorrow. So, Dad, I love you. I'm thankful for you. You know, I think the him and I were talking about this uh, not too long ago, but the legacy of a father is not to be perfect, you know? I think I don't have kids, although I do have a golden retriever. Um, but, uh, I don't know. 
But I think the legacy of a father is to do a lot of things, but one of them is not to be perfect. It's just to take your lineage up a level. You know what I mean? Take it up a level. And then your kids can then take it up another level. And then take it up another level. So if you're doing it right, you're probably doing it better than your dad. But that's not a fault to your dad. That's actually a testament to your dad and to you. Are you with me? And so anyway, I just, Dad, I love you. You've taken, I know for me, you've taken us to a higher level. And uh, I'm really thankful for you. So, uh, and come on up to Wisconsin sometime soon, right? Yeah, yeah. We'll eat brats with Pastor Bob on a boat. It'll be great. Okay, Luke 24. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning. Oh, sorry, context. You need some context here. Luke 24. So what had just happened was Jesus had a bunch of followers. It was, of course, the 12, but there were others too. There were women and there were just a bunch of people. And uh, Jesus had just been crucified and he was dead and he was put in a tomb. Okay, now when they put him in the tomb, they also sealed the tomb and they put a Roman guard around it. How many know what I'm talking about? And how many know in the Roman guard there were 16 of them? And there was also such a high standard for these Roman guards. By the way, this goes beyond just the Bible. This is actual, like, history, okay? So uh, these 16 soldiers were to stand guard because they knew there was going to try to be maybe some funny business, right, to, like, resurrect the body, to pretend like he rose again, you know, and continue with the charades, uh, as they thought. Well, anyway, so they put these 16 Roman guards around there, and the way that the rules worked was if one guard fell asleep while on duty— not only would he be burnt alive, but the whole guard would be. Just like that. Bad time to fall asleep. <laughs> Not a time for a little nap, you know what I mean? So this is what happened. Now, the followers, they, many of them really believed that Jesus was going to be the Messiah, the one that was prophesied about. But they were confused. Have you ever been confused? Well, this is like ultimate confusion because at least 12 of them had given up everything to follow him. I mean, they gave up everything. Remember the guys that left behind their boats and their nets and the miraculous catch? Anybody remember that? And even their family to go and follow this man who claimed to be the Messiah? They left everything behind. And they really believed that this man was the man he said he was. They saw him cleanse lepers. They saw him raise the dead. They saw him multiply food. They helped him multiply the food. But then all of a sudden, the man was dead. Dead, buried in a tomb with 16 Roman guards around. Like, it was done. One day passed. Two day passed. Nothing. Crickets. But then there was day three. Then there was day three. And this is where we are right now. And just imagine the confusion and the sorrow they must feel, you know, as the followers. Now, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. They were not preparing for him to not be there. They were preparing, well, I mean, they were preparing for him to be there, but not alive. Verse 2, but they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And that, that stone was anywhere between two to three tons. I think it could have been even up to six. I don't remember exactly. But even if it's just one ton, that's enough, Right? Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then, as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. 
Can you imagine being the angel that was dispatched for that day? I bet you, he, I bet you this dude went back up into heaven or left or right or wherever heaven is. I don't know. But he probably went back into heaven. He's like, yeah, I'm the man. <laughs> probably looked at his roommate and was like, what did you do today? <laughs> you want to hear about what I did? No? Okay. Well, there's this three-ton rock. You really don't care? Okay. In other, in other uh, accounts, it says that the angel sat on it. You know, that he rolled the, he rolled the tomb aside and then he sat on it. I, that's so funny. I just, I think that the, I think God is far more fun than we think. I think Jesus had an, has an amazing personality. And I think angels have a lot of fun. And I think we should embody all of those things too. Somebody say amen. amen. So he's not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee? Saying, by the way, if an angel ever appears to you, he should always point you to Jesus and his words. Right? You see that? Okay. If he doesn't, or she doesn't, throw some garlic at him. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. Isn't it cool that the women were the first ones to find out that Jesus had risen from the dead? Isn't that something? I think the church has tried to silence women for way too long. We look at, not this church, I know that, but isn't it something that they didn't silence, the angels didn't say, hey, don't tell anybody, uh, you shouldn't be here, where are the men at? Where's Peter? You guys aren't supposed to be here. Get in the tomb, actually, and stay there until we tell you to come. (laughs) No, they didn't do that. No, they said, go, tell the disciples. Isn't that something? See, I think the world, I think, the, the, I think Jesus started, he started the woman revolution. Jesus started that. I think that's pretty special. But verse 11 says, and their words seemed to them like idle tales, or uh, a footnote in my Bible says nonsense. <laughs> and they did not, believe them. See, the testimonies of women back then were equivalent to the dust on their sandals, really, which is just makes it even more special that God would pick the women to go be the messengers. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb. I like that he didn't walk. There must have been some, uh, how, how could we say it? Some what? Adrenaline, yeah, absolutely. Some uh, anticipation, some like, man, what, what, what did you say? What did they say? So he ran to the tomb and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. Imagine the buzz in the community. <laughs> you know, like when Aquafest happens, we're all hearing about it, you know, oh yeah, Thunderstruck, oh yeah, this guy, you know, whatever, I don't know. All these people, <laughs> I don't know who played, sorry. But, um, but imagine the stir in Jerusalem. You know, this was a big deal that had just happened. If, if you were among his followers and you were like depressed for the last two or three days because he's dead and all of a sudden a bunch of women come back saying that he had risen, would you like go back home or would you be like, I got to know what's going to happen here? I know I would be all about the getting the updates, you know, because back then you couldn't just text him, you know, hey, over in Bethany, hey, uh, turns out he's here. You might want to come back. Jump in your Prius and hurry up, you know. No, that wasn't going to happen. But watch this. 
in verse 13. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus. Say Emmaus. Now, this was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Now, roughly, I Googled this, so if it's not true, it's Google's fault. But apparently, it's about, it takes about two hours to walk seven miles at a steady pace, assuming that it's going to be straight and there's no you know, crazy topography happening and that you don't take any water breaks or use the bathroom or whatever, okay? But this was a hot region. There's probably hills and valleys. They were probably getting a little bit tired, Okay. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was, while they conversed and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Remember in Matthew, I think it was like verse chapter 18, I think it was 1820, when Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, "Uh, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? (laughs) He's talking to Jesus, you know. And by the way, did you notice in verse 16 that says that their eyes were restrained? That's important. Remember that, okay? Their eyes were restrained. They were walking with the one they had just followed for three years. They listened to his teaching. They watched him perform the miracles. They participated. They were probably at the Sermon on the Mount with backstage passes, VIPs, Okay. But they were walking with him and didn't even recognize him. Okay, just keep that in mind. Where were we? Oh yeah, verse 18. Um, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known these things which happened there in these days? (laughs) That cracks me up. Verse 19. And he said to them, what things? (laughs) See, I'm telling you, I think Jesus has an awesome personality. And by the way, I just want to say this. Do you think he was unaware of what they were talking about? Can we all agree that he was completely aware? Okay, like he was the subject of what they're, you know, he's like, he's the guy. So I think it's important to note that even though he knows everything that you're going through, even though he knows everything that you're thinking, even though he knows all of your concerns and your worries and the things that are stressing you out, and even the things that make you happy and the things that make you have the best day ever, he loves, even though he knows all of it, He loves to hear it come through your mouth. He loves to hear you process it, even though he knows it. Why? Because he loves you. I think that's special. Okay, verse 19, and he said to them, what things? So they said to him, this is really funny, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, interesting. Kind of a downgrade from Savior of the world, in my opinion. But uh, yeah, who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he hoping. Everybody say hoping. Do you think they're in raging faith right now? Do you think they're in doubt right now? I would believe so. So they heard the reports, but they're, they left Jerusalem. Okay, that speaks, I think, to itself. You know, I don't think there was some super pressing crops to go harvest that they needed to, you know, or a dentist appointment that they needed to get back to Emmaus for, okay? But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. 
They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Then he said to them, Oh, foolish ones. <laughs> oh, foolish ones. Have you ever been a foolish one? All right. Yeah, me too. And slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Verse 27, this is so awesome. Watch this. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Isn't that something? That's the cell group I wanted to be at. Right there. Isn't that something? It says here in verse, where were we again here? It was in verse 27. In verse 25, it says, he said, believe in all that the prophets, which prophets was he talking about? He's talking about the prophets that are in the back of your book here, or I guess the front of your book, right? And then in verse 27, it says, beginning at Moses, what's he talking about? Did he go back to like Moses' grave? And they're like, let's go back to Moses' grave. No, he's talking about the first five books of the Bible, our Bible, our Old Testament. See, you have all of the, all of the scriptures that Jesus himself read when he was a boy. When he was sitting in the temple learning the scriptures as a boy, a, this God boy, sitting in the temple learning the Bible, listening, listening, listening. You and I have the same words. Isn't that something? So when you're reading the Bible, you're actually, your eyes are crossing over the very text that the eyes of Jesus as a little boy crossed over. Isn't that something? I don't know why, but that, I just geek out about that. I'm like, Jesus, you read this one time. <laughs> this is awesome. You were reading about these bulls getting sacrificed and wave offerings and the tabernacle and the golden lampstand. Man, you read that. You read that. Isn't that something? So it says here, beginning at Moses, and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. How many of you know the Bible is living because the Bible is a person? And how many of you know the person is Jesus Christ? So when you're reading the Bible, it's kind of like, I've said this before, but it'd be equivalent to you taking a cotton swab to the mouth of Jesus, okay? Doing a little quick test. Putting it in a microscope, putting it underneath the thing, you know, and you're zooming in on it. And you'd look at the very helix of his DNA. Do you know what his helix would say? It would say, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Each ladder of the helix would be a book of the Bible. Say, <laughs> so in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He was in the beginning with God. Are you with me? Isn't that something? Now let's see what happens here. Then they drew near to the village where they were going. And this is so cool. He indicated that he would have gone farther. <laughs> and the footnotes in my Bible says that he acted as if he was going to keep going. I don't know about you, but that stands out to me. Again, I think the personality of Jesus is really awesome. It's like this. Um, Sam and Matt, can you come here for a second? Sorry. You're Cleopas and you're no name. All right? Good to meet you. All right. So actually, I don't mean to be Jesus here. I'm not trying to, you know, be like arrogant or whatever. So can we just, all right. So let's walk towards Emmaus. All right. 
we're walking towards Emmaus, we're talking, I'm opening up all the scriptures to you, okay? And now you're at Emmaus, okay? And I'm just going like this, I'm like, oh, what's that? Oh, you want, you want me to come back? Oh, okay, I'll come back. That's what it looked like, except maybe a little different. You guys can sit down, thank you. <laughs> For sure, Cleopas wasn't that good looking, I know that, I know that. But isn't that something? It says that he indicated that he would have gone farther. How many know Jesus wants to be invited? He wants to be invited. Hospitality was a big deal in Jewish culture. In fact, if you were to tell somebody in Jewish culture back then, hey man, uh, you should come over if you want to, they'd be like, not? What kind of invite is that? No, they wanted you to like, no, hey, you've got to come over. I'm cooking my best lefsa, left, less and my brats and stuff. You've got to come. No, I'm really busy. No, no, you've got to come. I'm telling you, I've been, I've been expecting you. I've been waiting for you. Persistence. That was the culture of the day. And Jesus loves that. I think that was a good point, Mike. What do you think? I think it was good. But they constrained him saying, abide with us, for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. How many know it was evening? It was getting dark outside. It was time to just you know, rest a little bit. They just walked seven miles. Yes? <clears throat> now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him. And he vanished from their sight. That is so cool. Why can't that be in the movies, you know? This is real, man. This isn't fake. This, is, this actually happened. Like, imagine sitting at dinner with Jesus, okay? You're sitting there, and all of a sudden he breaks the bread, and he just disappears. He just vanishes, like some kind of Star Wars character. Just, whoo, gone. Does that even happen in Star Wars? I don't even, I don't know. <laughs> Jedis can do everything. But it says that their eyes were open. And watch this, verse 32. And they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scripture to us. Did you see that? I'm going to read it one more time. Read it in your Bible with me, okay? It's super important. I've been babbling for like 20 minutes just to get to this point. And they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us? Say talked with us. On the road, and while he opened the scriptures. Say open the scriptures. See, we want to hear the voice of God without getting into the word of God, and that's a crime. How many want your heart to burn? Come on, does anybody want their heart to burn? How many know if you want your heart to burn, we need to have the voice of Jesus, and we need to have his word inside of us. So they were, see, it wasn't enough for them to just encounter Jesus on the road. Do you see? It wasn't enough for them to encounter Jesus on the road. We're like, I want an encounter with you, Jesus. How many know that's a good thing to want? I want one. I don't know about you. I would love that very much, Lord, please. Thank you, amen. But it wasn't enough for them. They didn't even recognize him. They needed a foundation of the word. So I know for me, I've been guilty of asking for an encounter while neglecting the scriptures.
And by, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm telling you from my own life. I'm not trying to like make you mad or anything. I'm just telling you my own story. And if the shoe fits, as Todd White says, kick it off. And they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? Watch this. This is so cool, okay? So that, that now they had the encounter. They had the revelation of the word and how it testifies about Jesus. It says, so, and they were tired. They just walked seven miles after a pretty long weekend emotionally. You know, how many know when you're emotionally exhausted, that's worse than physically exhausted? Imagine that what they're feeling before this. This is what happens after you encounter the Lord and you have a foundation of the word. The word comes alive to you. You're reading the scriptures and you're seeing Jesus in them. It says, so they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. (laughs) You're like, I've just been exhausted. You need an encounter. You need to read your Bible and let Jesus reveal himself to you through it. Watch the energy that comes. He returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven. And those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed. The girls were right. (laughs) And has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Listen, my friend, your Bible is more than just a book. You're like, I don't understand how it can be living. It's just this, this normal book. How many know the leather binding does not have any sort of living organisms in it, right? How many of the pages do not have lungs? They're not breathing, right? Are you with me? It's just, it's just a, a book. How can, it, how can it be living? Listen, your Bible is a bridge from your break room, from your car, from your living room, from the seat you're sitting in right now. It is a bridge that you walk on from wherever you're sitting or standing, however you read the Bible, to the person of Jesus. That's in your hand. And by the way, knowing, I want to hear the voice of God too, but God, it's going to be hard for him to entrust his voice to me if I don't have his word in me. The reason being is because if I'm hearing his voice without an understanding of his word, then it's very easy to become a victim of deception. It's very easy to fall into error. Not because I want to, but because I don't have this in me. Do you know? How many know his, the voice doesn't confirm the word, the word confirms the voice. Because I'm gonna tell you right now, and you know exactly what I'm talking about, sometimes the voice of the enemy sounds like the voice of God. Remember when Jesus was in the wilderness? Remember the third time that he tempted Jesus? What did he use? But see, Jesus knew his Bible. He had an advantage. I don't know. It was like, but he knew his Bible because it says that he grew in favor and stature with both God and man. So he had to put some effort in to learn the Bible. Okay, so actually, well, we won't get into all that. But he knew his Bible well enough to know that the devil, even though he was quoting scripture, he was taking it out of context. Are you with me? This is good, man. Verse 36, now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them. Again, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of you. Isn't that something? They were just like gushing about all the things that happened on the road. They were sharing their testimony with Jesus, and Jesus likes that. 
Okay, when you share your testimony about how Jesus has encountered you, spoken to you, changed your life, transformed you from the inside out, he really likes it. And he's there in the midst of you. I'm sorry, is this boring? Don't worry, we'll be done really soon. It says, now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. <laughs> oh, man. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why, do you and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, have you any food here? I love that. <laughs> Is anybody hungry right now? You're just, maybe you're Christ-like. I don't know. It doesn't say he was hungry, but he asked. So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb. How many know Jesus would love our fish fries here in Wisconsin? And he took it and ate it in their presence. Isn't it crazy that he was glorified enough to just appear in the room? He just, he just showed up. And yet he's human enough still to consume food. Isn't that something? By the way, if he can just materialize and vanish, why did, the, why did the, the stone have to be moved away from the tomb? So they can see. I think like 20 people just said that. Isn't that cool? Fruit for thought. Then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. This is the prayer request of every Christian right here, verse 45. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Isn't that something? Some people are like, well, the Old Testament isn't for today. Oh, it's for today. It is very much for today. And I will never be so new school that I'm like cooler than my Bible and I'm cooler than the Old Testament. Oh no, it is all for today. Why? Because all of it points to Jesus. It's literally his DNA that you're reading whenever you open this thing. It says that he went, what did he say? These are his words. These things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. I've heard some people say, you know, the Psalms, you know, I don't know about those. They're not really. You got to be careful with the Psalms. <laughs> Raise your hand if your translation does not say Psalms. Okay, moving on. And he, and he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Put your hand on your heart right now. How many know we don't read with our brains? See, our brains have a finite ability and capacity. I mean, some of us have, like, way more than others, <laughs> all right? I'm, and I'm putting myself on the lower end of that totem pole, okay? All right? But, but that's cool with me, because you don't have to have, like, a super smart intellect to comprehend the Scriptures. It's not in your intellect. It's not in your brain. It's not in your ability to comprehend the Scriptures. All you need is to get in them and ask Jesus to open that up for you. Have you ever been reading the Bible, and you're like, I didn't get any of that at all? <laughs> Just, woo! Well, I'll tell you right now, your spirit caught it. Even if, you're, even if you can't remember it, even if you can't quote it like other people do, like a Bobby Connor, holy moly. 
even though you don't remember it, it's in here. See, because your spirit has an infinite capacity, even though your brain has a limited one. Are you with me? So put your hand on your heart and say, Lord Jesus, open my understanding that I might comprehend the scriptures and understand how they testify of you in your name. Watch this, verse 46. Then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations. Huh? Can anybody amen that? How many know we need a message of repentance? Did Jesus say that? Raise your hand if your Bible doesn't say repentance. Okay, moving on. Raise your hand if your Bible doesn't say the remission of sins. Okay, cool. Raise your hand if it says that it, shouldn't, that it should be preached. Okay, cool. So, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations. How many know there are no exceptions to that message? The, the message of the gospel is hard on the brain, okay, because for a lot of reasons. It's also fairly confrontational. But how many know it's the only message that contains life? It's the only answer for the world. It's the only solution to every cultural confusion that we're facing today. And if we don't preach this message, we're going to miss it. And they're going to miss it. Somebody touch your neighbor and say, this is good. I don't know what you think, but this is some good stuff. Verse 48, this is Jesus, and you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. I find it interesting that he felt that it was necessary to have a revelation of the word of God and how it testifies to Jesus, to himself, as well as an encounter with himself before the power came. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. How many know there's a human being sitting, a glorified human sitting at the right hand of the Father right now in the highest heavens? Think about that. It's not some spirit body. His body was not in the tomb. It was not. It says that Peter went, and he's, there's nothing here. There was linen. And for some reason, Jesus decided to fold the handkerchief that covered his face. Did you notice that ever? It says that he folded the handkerchief and put it there. Now, some people say, well, that was his message because culturally it was like if you did that, it meant you were coming back to the table. They can't verify that. But if it's true, I think it's cool. But either way, I think it's funny that Jesus decided to do laundry on the greatest day in history. I can't do laundry on my best day. This was the best day for everyone. And he's like, oh, it's, this is time. Oh, I got to fold that quick. <laughs> well, Holy Ghost origami. <laughs> but it says he didn't mess with the rest of the linen, you know? Like he folded, he folded the face cloth, but the linen, he's just like, oh, I don't care about that. You know, <laughs> whatever. Theologians, you can come tell me what that means later. Oh, gosh. And it says in verse 52 that they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Isn't that awesome? It wasn't just the opportunity to see him ascend into heaven, although that had to be super cool. But it was also, and it wasn't just encountering him and handling him. They handled him, he said. He said, handle me. I'm telling you, it's me, guys. I'm not a spirit. Handle me. It wasn't even enough for that. No, it was the whole package. They had to, they had to encounter him. 
They had to handle him, see that he was real. And they had to have their minds, their hearts opened to comprehend how the scriptures testify to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then they saw him ascend into the highest heavens and then they obeyed him to go tarry in Jerusalem, waiting to be endued with power from on high. And it says they worshiped him. They returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. It says amen. Isn't that good? Are you okay that we just read a whole chapter of the Bible? What time is it? Oh, we're supposed to be done by now. My goodness, we got to get out of here. Well, this was fun. Thanks for being here. <laughs> I hope that this uh, did something to you. I, uh, I know for a fact it did, even if you didn't feel like it. I'm telling you, you, you watch. You watch. Actually, let's just, sorry. Look at this. If you just continue over, like, because Luke is done. By the way, Luke finished Luke, and then he went and wrote Acts which is pretty sweet. But if you just go over to John chapter one, right away, it says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. And then verse two, it says, he was in the beginning with God. I thought we were talking about the word. Why does it say he was in the beginning with God? Because he is the word. And then watch this. All things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. How many know without him, there's no nothing? There's nothing. And how many know you are one of the all things? How many know you're a thing? Look at somebody and say, you're a thing. Okay, you're a thing. Can I get a piano, Amy, please? Look at somebody else and say, you're a thing too. Don't feel bad. Don't feel discluded. Everybody at home, dad, you're a thing. Okay, everybody's a thing. But it says here, all things. So does that include you? Say yes. All things were made through him. In Colossians, it says that all things were not only made through him, but they were made for him. You bring him pleasure. And it also says that all things were made through him, for him, and by him. So he, he made you, and things were made through you, and you were made for him. That's pretty cool. And then verse 14, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. <laughs> and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Isn't that awesome? Would you stand with me, please, if you're able? You don't have to stand at home unless you want to. If you're listening to this on the podcast and you're driving, definitely don't. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, yeah. Would you just put your, uh, actually, grab somebody's hand, would you? I just want to pray for you. I really believe that there's an impartation tonight from God into our hearts for a passion for his word. And not just for the word, not just for the, the, the material, but the revelation of who Jesus is in and through this word. I really believe that. So Lord, right now, I thank you for every single person that's here, every single person that's listening to this message, God. And I thank you for awakening passion in every single heart, not to do legalistic reading, but to do treasure hunting. Treasure hunting, finding you, Jesus, in the pages of their Bible. But I thank you right now that you are replacing the hunger for other things with a hunger for you. And I thank you, God, that the Bible is going to act as a portal to your presence. Oh, it's going to be good. It's going to be really good. Some of you are like, I haven't opened my Bible in a long time. No, that's changing tonight. That's changing tonight. Oh, God, I thank you for your people. I bless them, Lord. 
I bless their hearts. I bless their minds. Lord, I pray that that this would transcend intellect, that it would surpass knowledge, but that this would be an experience. God, I pray that when your people read your word, that they would experience you. Lord, that they would tangibly experience you in the room with them, speaking to their hearts. Oh, Lord, I thank you for it. Oh, I thank you for it. And again, just keep your, if you would, let go of the hand of the person next to you. Keep your eyes closed for just a moment. You can let go of the hands. Keep your eyes closed. I have to say this. I have to say this. We can't talk about it without giving you the invitation. If you're here tonight and you realize, man, I have not been living for the Lord. I have been far from him. Pastor Bob said not too long ago, he said, you can take a thousand steps away from God, but it only takes one to come back. That's really good news. And you don't have to try, you don't have to strive, and you don't have to do anything to earn it. The gift of salvation is free. It's a free gift for all who would call upon the name of the Lord. So my friend, if you want to give your life to Jesus Christ tonight, the invitation is yours. And I'm not asking you to say yes to this message that I just preached, although I know it was fire. (laughs) No, I'm asking you to say yes or no to Jesus. I'm not asking you to say yes or no to me to this church, to tithing, or to Matt's mustache. I'm asking you to say yes or no to Jesus Christ. The choice is yours. If you're here tonight and you want to say yes, or if you're at home, or if you're listening online, and you want to say yes to Jesus, I want you to raise your hand right now. Oh, thank you, Lord. I see the hand. I see the hands. Oh, I see the hands. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you would, just put your hand on your heart. We're almost done, I promise. We're gonna pray together. And the power is not in the prayer. The power is in the person of Jesus. The power is in the conviction you feel in your heart. Say this, say, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I give you all that I am, all of my sin. I repent of it and I lay it at your feet. I choose to die tonight. I choose to die to myself. All my desires, all my cravings, all my selfishness, all of my sin, I die tonight so that I can resurrect in you. Just as you came out of the grave, I'm coming out of the grave and I'm coming home. You made me so you can have me. (laughs) I'm all yours in Jesus' name. And everybody said it. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. Be sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss any new messages. To learn more or to get connected with us, please visit us at worldharvestusa.com. God bless you all, and we'll see you next time.